You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We'll get to those stories in just a moment. But first, a BC man is helping homeowners get back millions of dollars from the provincial government. He says the confusion over the federal government's old renovation tax credit and BC's HST renovation rebate means thousands of people may not have been paid money they're entitled to. Richard Zussman explains how they might be able to get it back. Amongst these papers is a tax credit mystery. Sean Liedenberg's trying to get to the bottom of. The Victoria man has spent years helping people file an HST home renovation credit because he says the Canadian Revenue Agency misled them. The people that answered the phone at the CRA, when you called from British Columbia, they told you if your house was more, worth more than 450000 you weren't entitled to a rebate. Here's where the confusion comes from. The federal government introduced a home renovation tax credit in 2009, but newer renovated homes were only eligible if they were worth less than $450,000. In 2010, a new HST renovation credit was introduced with no cap. That was worth as much as $42,500 for British Columbians. A provincial rebate was instated by the province to help bring down the cost of construction. And even though it's legally too late for people to apply for the credit, Liedenberg is trying to ensure people get their money. We're still looking in the possibility that there may be a chance of these people applying if they're just finding out now. The program was run by the Canadian Revenue Agency, but the money was doled out by BC's Ministry of Finance. And Leidenberg says it could be a lot of money. British Columbians owed anywhere between $100 and $500 million. So far, millions of dollars have already been paid off. Liedenberg has been successful in court trying to ensure the CRA pays what is owed. There has been any number of lawsuits he's been involved in, and he's won all of them. So it looks to me that the CRA has been unreasonable and unwilling to sit down and try to sort this out. And sorting it all out may mean a class action lawsuit. So British Columbians who built a home or did major home renovations from 2010 to 2013 could get the money they're rightfully owed. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. Investigators announcing charges today in a deadly case of road rage that's gone unsolved for seven years. Ramina Dea is live with the details. And Ramina, this unfolded back in 2011, shockingly, on the victim's wedding day. Chris, they were only married for a few hours when the gunfire erupted. Now, investigators had actually ID'd a suspect seven years ago, but they just didn't have enough evidence to move forward with charges until now. Manbir and Pavan Kajla had just been married the morning of April 27, 2011. That night, the new bride watched in horror as her husband was hit with a barrage of bullets. Seven long years later murder charges. This case spanned over seven years and it may not always have appeared to be moving forward. I hope news of the charges brings some semblance of peace. 30-year-old Deep Singh Gill of Surrey has been charged with one count of first-degree murder and one count of attempted murder. This appears to be a case of road rage, yes. Yeah, uh, I know initially there was some indication perhaps that this may have been on the ongoing gang conflict. That is not the case. Nothing to support that at all. 30-year-old man beer was gunned down after a fender bender. The driver fled. Police say it was a random act of violence. The murder victim and the gunman did not know each other. The victim's family members not ready to speak publicly 
but they did release a statement through the RCMP. We've waited seven long years for this moment, and we are relieved that closure is in sight. Now, the suspect was charged, Chris, with weapons offenses, at least three that we know of, dating back to 2006 in an unrelated case. He was ordered to stand trial, but those charges were dropped. We don't know why. Tonight, he remains in custody. His next court appearance is May 14th. Chris. All right, Romina, thanks for the update. More people have come forward with allegations of sexual assault at a Surrey day spa chain. RCMP say several new allegations have been made after an appeal last month. At that time, RCMP said five people had come forward with allegations of sexual assault during massages at Iris Day Spas. The event said to have taken place between 2014 and this year. Investigators still believe there could be more victims who have not yet come forward. Anyone with more information is asked to contact Surrey RCMP. Record participation in the BMO Marathon over the weekend, leading to another new record. Airbnb hosted more than 9,300 arrivals over the weekend in the city. That's an increase of 36% compared to the same period last year. As a result, local Airbnb hosts earned more than $1.2 million Canadian combined. The province is under fire today for being outwardly opposed to the Trans Mountain Pipeline project, and yet the government's own pension fund invests in Kinder Morgan. Keith Baldry is live in Victoria with more on this. And Keith, hypocrisy is a word that comes up a lot in the pipeline debate. Yeah, you know, I think this one at the very least is awkward optics uh, concerning this uh, unusual uh, situation of opposing a project, yet a crown corporation under the government's control owning a significant amount of shares in Kinder Morgan. There's even a protest on the front lawn at the ledge today. As a reminder, this issue is ongoing. Here are the numbers, what we're talking about. The BC Pension Fund for Public Sector Employees is a huge pension fund, and it owns shares in a lot of companies, including 1.12 million shares in Kinder Morgan. That's actually up 21,000 shares the last few months. Even while the province goes to court, the pension fund continues to buy uh, Kinder Morgan shares. It's worth uh, on the market $18 million, not an insignificant amount of money. And that pension fund still invests in a lot of other energy companies as well, more than 30 oil and gas companies on top of Kinder Morgan. We caught up to Finance Minister Carol James today in the hallway, wondering whether this was inconsistent with the government's position or hypocritical. Here's her response. As you know, the pensions are managed by the employer and the employee, so those are discussions and decisions that are made at that table. So, Carol James taking the position the government really has nothing to do with that pension fund, even though it is controlled by a crown corporation under the government's auspices. And at the bottom line here, Chris, I think it's a reminder how difficult it is actually for governments and, and union investors here to actually divest themselves of fossil fuels. There's a lot of money uh, tied up in that pension fund that is directly attributable to Kinder Morgan and other energy companies. Chris? No doubt. All right. Thank you, Keith. Several more B.C. communities are on flood watch tonight. People very concerned about the runoff from an extended warmer and wetter forecast and above normal snowpack. Jeff Hastings has more on which areas are at risk and how they're coping. In the lower Nicola, just west of Merritt, Gishon Creek is more river than anything, and it's angry. Highway 8 is impassable. As of Monday afternoon, this is one of 21 areas under evacuation order in B.C., along with 22 evacuation alerts, combined 772 properties province-wide. There are 17 local states of emergency. One minute it was nice and dry, the next second we were knee-deep in water. 
Colleen's property is one of about 50 in the Lower Nicola Mobile Home Park under evacuation order. It was very frightening. I had to get in there and get my cat out and try and carry things out, and it was hard to keep your balance. The province has deployed 2 million sandbags to threaten communities. 150 BC Forest Service firefighters are out there helping to fill and stack what could be the last line between homes and disaster. The Gishon Creek evacuees have been set up in nearby Merritt, a city no stranger to flooding, but fine for now. We're concerned, we're keeping an eye on it, uh, but our crews are doing a great job. West of Kamloops, Beaten Road has been carried away in Cherry Creek. Calls for volunteers to fill sandbags have been going out for days. They're tired, and if everybody, even if they could eat an hour or two, if they could help, it makes a big difference. Up and down the Okanagan, snowmelt has swollen streams and filled lakes to overflowing. Anxiety is rising along with the water. None of this is likely to improve anytime soon. Snowpack around the province is healthier than almost any other year. And if the melt doesn't slow down, bigger problems are still upstream. Uh, provincially wide, we've got 168% of normal for all of the measurements taken, and that's come up uh, 20 or 30% from last month. This is mostly low to mid-level snowpack melt. The big rivers will rise later this spring. But for many, the problem is right at the doorstep already. My, my corner trailer gets most of, the, most of the brunt. It's like an oceanfront property, so <laughs> temporarily. <laughs> Jeff Hastings, Global News. Starting today, you won't be able to get a plastic straw from store and restaurant owners in Deep Cove. The community becoming the first in Metro Vancouver to ditch the plastic product. Aaron MacArthur explains why and has more on the growing movement. Deep Cove, always postcard perfect. But look closer and the shine starts to fade a little. Careless people have left their mark here. Megan Curran, a local shop owner, wanted to do something about the problem. How are your paper straws? Really making that connection between the environment and your personal consumption. I think that Deep Cove can really inspire and lead the charge to get people to realize that what they do impacts this beautiful environment and we have to protect it. Deep Cove is the first community in Metro Vancouver to ban single-use straws. Every cafe, restaurant, ice cream shop have banded together to replace plastic with at and least paper. Yeah, we also have Excellent. metal straws. We tried to come up with something that really all the merchants could get behind, and straws are, they're a good one to start with, and it really is just the beginning. The Cove merchants were assisted by Ocean Ambassadors, whose mission is to get all of us thinking about what we put in our oceans. Deep Cove is a first, but by getting the ball rolling, it becomes an easier sell for other communities. Plastic never really goes away, so a plastic straw used for maybe just a couple of minutes and will break down and break down, but those plastic molecules will be either in the landfill or in our oceans forever. The plastic straw ban starts today, and customers haven't really noticed. I just got a cup and... It came with a paper straw. Yeah, it did. <laughs> I think it's better for the environment, definitely. Paper straws, about five times more expensive than plastic, the first batch being paid for by the Merchants Association. But replacing straws is not the goal. The goal here is to simply use less. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Right now, though, it looks a lot like the transformation of Vancouver's Oak Ridge Mall is going to be even more dramatic than first thought. As Ted Chernecki reports, new plans show a huge public park built right on the roof of the shopping mall. 
As this archival footage shows, there was absolutely nothing green about the Oak Ridge Mall back in 1973. But that's about to change in a big way. Nine acres big, as Oak Ridge undergoes a massive urban redevelopment that includes a new park built on top of the renovated mall. People that are moving to the city and the new development that's happening, um, they don't have access to private outdoor space, maybe a small balcony. So parks are becoming more and more important to people, so we need to deliver those. Building a rooftop park, even with full-grown trees, has been done before in other cities, but not in Vancouver, not at this scale. So this is certainly nothing new. This will be new for Vancouver, um, but as a part of city building, this is really Vancouver taking its next step. There's a whole other world on top of buildings throughout Metro Vancouver, but they are not open to the public. Even the Trade and Convention Centre, Grass Roof, is closed to all but the maintenance staff. Now imagine if there were big trees and sidewalks up here. This was all negotiated as an in-kind community amenity contribution by the developer, so there is no cost to the park board for the construction of the park and the maintenance of the park as well. There is an open house this Thursday where you can check out the latest plans that include outdoor theatres, water parks, badminton courts and vegetable gardens. Even the towers are designed to complement the park. The towers do have a moulded form. They're intended to grow out of the park, with the park at Oak Ridge being that unifying feature. This is a part of our development and a part of the city of Vancouver that we're very, very proud of. This project has been in the works for at least six years and there are a lot of hurdles still to clear, but the hope is to have shovels in the ground next year. Ted Chernecki, Global News. Another big development in Vancouver's retail sector. Reuters is reporting that Hudson's Bay is selling the company's flagship store in downtown Vancouver to an Asian buyer for about $675 million. It's believed the bay will sign a 20-year lease with the new owner. HBC isn't commenting. An unusual post on YouTube claims to show the theft of a gosling thwarted in Stanley Park. Put it back, dude. Put it back. I've got you on camera. Put it back. The video, posted by James Beer, shows two men allegedly trying to steal the baby bird by stuffing it it into a pocket. When they're confronted and told to leave it alone, they put it down and they leave, but not before a parting shot at the man who interrupted them. It's not a toy. It's a living creature. Well, thank you very much. Get lost. Get out of here. The question was, what was the motivation? Why was someone grabbing this young gosling? Did they, were they taking it as a pet? Were they going to, I don't know, feed it to their, their large boa constrictor? You know, any of those things would be concerning us, but it, it was unclear what, it was, uh, what was causing the problem. The gosling did end up running back to its family. The park board says because it was unharmed, there probably won't be any charges pursued. An emotional reunion tonight between a woman who nearly died on a popular Metro Vancouver trail and the woman who saved her life. As Tanya Beja reports, the story began with a heart attack and ended after the grateful victim posted a handmade sign looking for her hero. Tanya Libel revisits the spot where she nearly lost her life. I felt great pressure in my chest, Never, no pain. And I wasn't afraid at all. And then it went down my arm. The 66-year-old suffered a heart attack on the Coquitlam Crunch in April 2017. Tammy Bryant and Celia Newton were passing by when they saw Libel collapse. Bryant rushed in to perform CPR. I stopped for two or three seconds and her lips turned blue. And that's when I said to Celia, I'm not stopping. She was like a warrior. She just into action. 
Libel had stents put in for two blocked arteries. She was able to thank first responders, but after a year, still didn't know the woman who came to her rescue. And so I thought, I'm just going to make a sign and put it at that area, just on the off chance that maybe she's still hiking there, right? Maybe she'll see it. Bryant wasn't even sure Libel had survived until her son and daughter-in-law spotted the sign. I phoned Sally immediately. She's alive. She made it. She, she survived. It's wonderful. You look good. You feeling good? Yeah, I feel yeah. great. Yeah. Guardian angel, <laughs> yeah, right? She was just there. And you know what? She had the, the character and the strength to actually jump in and do it. From her actions, we still have our mom. She saved our mom. She saved her life. So, to me, that's a hero. She was, do you want to help? No. Bryant had just taken a CPR training course two days before the hike. It's easy. So anybody can do it. And, and that's why, you know, everyone should get the training. I'm lucky to be here. I'm lucky. I'm so grateful to everybody, to Tammy especially. She's my hero. She's absolutely my hero. Tanya Beja, Global News. Great story. New research shows more and more Canadians are saying, I don't, instead of I do. The desire for marriage has been trending down for years. And as Jennifer Palmer reports, now a majority of those polled say they'd rather not bother. It was a moment watched around the world. Millions tuning in to see the royal wedding of the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge. And now, another royal engagement is heading down the aisle with Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. But is getting married important? Canadians say meh to marriage. Marina Adshade is with UBC's Vancouver School of Economics. She took a look at the Angus Reid survey that says 53% of Canadians are saying, I don't. Men and women are, are both showing less interest in marriage, but women more so than men. Well, this is a, a continuation of a trend. It is women have become more financially independent. Uh, they see lower value in, in marriage. And that's, that's mentioned in the article. What's not mentioned, though, is that women are contributing more and more to their home, um, to the family's income, but they're still doing the lion's share of work at the, in the home. Overall, Canadians are waiting longer to get married. So where did the idea of getting married even come from? Marriage uh, essentially evolved uh, as a way of men securing paternity over their children. And this became important, you know, when we started having inheritance. It's important because uh, my family grew up with those family values and I just want to carry them on and I want to have a tradition or a legacy to carry on. I think it makes no difference. <laughs> they're happy, they're happy. <laughs> You may think it's younger Canadians that aren't interested in sealing their love with a marriage contract, but the survey shows that those aged 18 to 24 at 56% believe marriage is important. To me, just like many other Canadians, two people living together in a loving relationship are married, right? Um, that's not going anywhere. It's just the idea of having it legitimized through government. Jennifer Palma, Global News. I've been awake for two days. I have no idea. I just want to get to a safe place. My son asks, Mommy, can we go home? Heartbreak in paradise as Hawaiians struggle with an unfolding natural disaster rolling through their neighborhoods. That lava flow from the Kilauea volcano has slowed tonight, but scientists warn it could be just a temporary pause in the activity.
The official toll is 35 homes and buildings destroyed, although it's difficult to tell from the air exactly how much has been lost. NBC's Jay Gray reports. Fiery rock and lava jumping from Mount Kilauea. Violent earthquakes ripping apart the ground, molten lava spilling from the cracks and seeping into neighborhoods. The Big Island is under attack from Mother Nature. I've been awake for two days. I have no idea. I've just, I just want to get to a safe place. And I'm just thankful that my family's together. Almost 2,000 families have been forced to evacuate. Amber Makuakuna lost everything she couldn't throw into trash bags as she rushed to safety. Yeah, my son asks, Mommy, can we go home? They don't have a home anymore. One of more than two dozen swallowed by rivers of fire. The entire island is under a state of emergency right now. And there's growing concern as a plume of smoke and ash spreads. Toxins creating a code red air quality warning near the volcano. The levels are still high. What we call the hot zone or the real, the very extremely risky zone. People need to be out of that area. An area under siege with no relief in sight. Scientists say the eruptions and earthquakes could continue for days or even weeks. Jay Gray, NBC News. A 27-year-old Ontario woman is recovering from a nightmare in the U.S. that should serve as a warning for all Canadians traveling south of the border. As Mark Carcassol reports, it all started when she was pulled over for speeding in Georgia. Okay, I'm in the back of a police car. I'm in cuffs. Help me. Vaughn resident Emily Neald filmed this Snapchat plea to friends in Cook County, Georgia, after being arrested for having an invalid license. It started when she was driving on the I-75 to Tennessee after visiting her aunt in Florida and was pulled over for speeding. She went on to explain to me that my Ontario driver's license was not valid in the state of Georgia. So she asked for additional documentation. I do not carry my passport on me during the day, but I do have copies of it on my phone. I had a copy of my birth certificate, a copy of my Nexus card, a copy of my passport, and I offered to show her all those. At that point, she said only the original would do. And now I can't drive and I don't know what to do. I'm in Georgia. <laughs> Neil's car was impounded and she was held in custody pending a June court date unless she paid a bond and various fees totaling over $900. She did pay a few hours later. Eventually, with the help of friends back home and the consulate, the case was dropped. Her money is being reimbursed. The Cook County Sheriff's Office will delete all arrest records pertaining to my case. The local probate court solicitor says he dismissed the case because it fell into a gray area. However, he does advise Canadians that when you're traveling abroad anywhere, not just in the U.S., to keep physical copies of documents like your passport on you at all times, rather than just digital copies on your phone like Neil had. Now that the ordeal is all but over, there's just one more thing Neild wants. A sincere apology from the arresting officer. We were unable to contact the Cook County Sheriff's Office for an interview. Mark Carcassel, Global News. As we celebrate the 20th anniversary of the Courage to Come Back Awards, tonight we profile the winner in the medical category. Ingrid Bates was about to get her teaching certificate when she got a call from her doctor that changed everything. But as Lynn Collier reports, she stayed positive through all of it. is a verb. Teaching is more than a job for Ingrid Bates. It's a passion. A career she started later in life that became part of her journey fighting cancer. That started nine years ago with a phone call. 
The doctor said to me, you likely have breast cancer. We need to do one more test. And from there, I was um, in the surgeon's office within three days. Ingrid had a mastectomy and dealt with chemo and radiation all the time, just wanting to get back to teaching. Fast forward two years, and she was back in the oncologist's office with her son at her side, this time with a diagnosis of leukemia, a side effect of the chemo. He looked so pale and scared. I just quickly, I looked at him, I looked at the pathologist, and I said, so what does that mean? What do I have to do? Does that mean more chemo? And he said, yes. And I'm like, okay, so when do we do that? It's just get to it. This battle was tougher. Months in ICU and a bone marrow transplant from her sister. Ingrid rallied and within eight months was back in the classroom. But her fight wasn't over. Her body was rejecting the stem cells. If you have a tight, this type of rejection called graft-versus-host, it's like the white blood cells have been dropped behind enemy lines, and they just start to shoot everywhere. All the blue pieces are going to make one sentence. Got Ingrid it? maintained a positive outlook and tried to carry that through to her students. And then you say, gâteau au fromage. She wasn't shy about sharing her story, and even the parents noticed the effect she had on their children. This is really good. When they see her facing these things with such a positive attitude, then they feel like they can do it. I don't know, like she's gone through so much, but she's still like so happy. Like, I don't want to be happy doing math, but she just kind of makes it that happy feeling. How are you doing? They keep me going, too. I, I look absolutely adore their aha moment. It's actually spelled the same. This summer, Ingrid will complete her master's in education, but she's not finished teaching. She takes every chance she can to talk about being a cancer survivor and living life in the moment. It's an opportunity to share a, a story, um, to let people know that you can do it. You can get through that illness. Good. Lynn Collier, Global News. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. She bit through the glove? Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> Draw blood? I don't know. <laughs> Where'd she go? Michigan police and firefighters have their hands full with a call they won't forget, one angry mother, right after the forecast. We'll check in with Kasia Badurka right now. Kasia, oh, no, just before we get to our forecast, B.C., not the only province dealing with flooding. Take a look. People in New Brunswick are into their second straight week of record flooding. Dozens of buildings have been damaged or destroyed. Power shut off in several regions. And hundreds of residents have been forced from their homes into emergency shelters. Officials say water levels along the St. John River are stabilizing, but they say it could be weeks before life returns to normal. Authorities also warning about possible water contamination. Treatment systems have been overwhelmed, sending raw sewage and debris out into the streets. So yes, now let's check in with Kasha. And a lot of people keeping an eye on the forecast around here because we do have a lot of regions with flooding in B.C. as well. Absolutely. Flood watch continues here, Chris. And I do have an update on uh, rising snowfall levels or snow 
melting levels as well. So I'll get to that in a second. Meantime, just to take a look outside right now, it is just a glorious evening along the coast, still sitting at 19, more sun than clouds. It's going to be a clear evening and uh, overnight low of about 11, closer to the coast, where it is not clear, though. Have a look at all of these lightning strikes to the central parts of the province and full and right across the east. So we always say in weather where thunder roars, go indoors, this could be potentially damaging or it could potentially dangerous weather, heavy downpours. We're looking at also a risk of some small hail and very uh, strong winds associated with these thunder showers. The risk continues through the evening and the overnight hours, particularly areas south of Quinell, north of Kelowna and west of Revelstoke. That's where we could be continuing to see these thunder showers as a result of this area of low pressure. It does eventually move out through the evening and the overnight hours. High pressure moves in to replace that. That spells sunny skies right across the entire province on your Tuesday. And then the next big low moves in on Wednesday. Not good when it comes to the potential for flooding or an escalated snow melt, uh, because of course we are looking at heavy amounts of rain on your Wednesday. So this is something we continue to watch. Snow levels over the next two days at 3,000 meters and above. And then of course that snowfall or that rainfall on the forecast on your uh, Wednesday. So how much rain are we talking about? We're not talking about epic amounts, but places most affected by flooding are looking at upwards of 20 millimeters of rain through the Okanagan. That's actually a lot of rain for this area, so something we continue to watch. Meanwhile, for your forecast on your Tuesday, a sun cloud mix for many of us, most of the province, looking at a gorgeous day on Tuesday. It's parts... Places like Sandspit, uh, Haida Gwaii could be picking up a little shower here and there. But everybody else, sun and clouds, temperatures above seasonal. Your seventh consecutive days of temperatures over the 20-degree mark through the Okanagan on your Tuesday. Sun and clouds for everybody closer to the coast. The same story goes for you. Port Hardy could be picking up a shower earlier into the day. Your five-day outlook, Wednesday, we start to see the showers move in Tuesday night into your Wednesday. Rain on Wednesday, Thursday it tapers off, then high pressure moves in right Right on time for the weekend. Friday's going to be nice as well. Today's weather window brought to us by Brent Cook. This is Gordon River on Vancouver Island. Just vivid colors here, eh, guys? Oh, so green. So All right, nice. and good timing on the weekend weather coming up. Looks pretty good so far. All right. A Michigan owner called 911 to say a mother raccoon and her babies had fallen through his ceiling. The babies were no problem for first responders. Mom, on the other hand? Ooh. <laughs> She's my hand. Man, Greg took off. He's like, hell no. <laughs> she bit through the glove? Yeah. Oh boy. Draw blood? I don't know. Game on. Oh, she's a meeting. As you can see, they eventually used a dog catcher pole, and mother and her babies were released safely into the wild again. And have you seen this? Actor Neil Patrick Harris hasn't been shy about telling the world that he loves B.C. And he took to social media once again to say so in song. Oh, Canada, our home and native land for the last two years. <laughs> Good times. Pretty impressed he knows the words. The national anthem. Harris singing B.C.'s praises on Instagram during a hike on what he calls his last weekend in Canada. Harris has been shooting a series of unfortunate events in Vancouver. That's the movie. How nice. On an actual series of unfortunate events. Uh, Squire's here now. I've lived in this town my whole life. Mm -hmm. 
And any time somebody famous speaks glowingly about the town, we love it. <laughs> it's newsworthy. But I do remember back in the 90s when they used to film the uh, X-Files here, mm-hmm. and David Duchovny said, boy, it rains a lot in Vancouver. And we flipped out. Yeah. Suddenly we hated David Duchovny, even though no. he said the absolute <laughs> truth. Yes. We can say it. Yeah. No one else can. If you want to say nice things about us, go right ahead. If you want to question our rain, you better be from here. Otherwise, <laughs> leave. It's really weird. Everybody just flipped out on the guy. Well, unless something big happens in the second half, this great Raptor season, poof, Yeah. in the second round. We were talking about it and how disappointing it is for people who are across the country pulling for well, the Raptors. Well, you know, as we said before, LeBron James, if he just gets a little bit of help from his friends, mm-hmm. just a little bit, they're pretty tough to beat. Okay, unless you're the Golden State Warriors or something like that. Right. All right. Not the greatest psychic, nor the greatest sports handicapper, not even the uh, luckiest know-nothing on earth, could have stood in September and said, I believe Vegas and Winnipeg will be in the Western Conference Final. But if the Jets win tonight against Nashville, that's exactly the way it'll be. Vegas and Winnipeg to see who goes in the Stanley Cup Final from the West. And that series will be fast and fun because both teams have good speed. But Winnipeg has a job to do tonight against the Nashville Predators. And in Game 4, when Nashville won 2-1, they were able to slow Winnipeg down, not so much in Game 5. So they're going to try to clog things up again tonight. That's the only way they could beat the Jets. They cannot speed skate with Winnipeg. It is just too dangerous. What about Alex Ovechkin? Ooh, I foresee a Grecian formula commercial in his future. Mike Sherry. Perhaps all those playoff... Games against Pittsburgh have given him gray hairs over the air. Here's an Alex goal, but Alex chase on. Fourth line goal. How did that get through Matt Murray? one nothing for Washington. They just need one more win to vanquish the Penguins. But Chris Letang scores here. There were no goals in the third. They are heading to overtime. Pittsburgh needs a goal to save the season. Canada-Denmark at the World Hockey Championships after that tough game against USA. They had South Korea, then Denmark, Norway's next with some easy ones right now. That's uh, Connor McDavid. And that's Aaron Ekblad. The Danes chase in vain, number 97. Uh, power play for Canada. They're up 2 nothing. Jordan Eberle is going to get this one. McDavid. Yep, rebound right to Eberle. That made it 3 uh, nothing. And then Ryan Nugent Hopkins had a couple of goals in this one. Whoops. Here he goes. Yeah, Denmark was just overmatched. These games at the World Championships, when they hit these kind of teams, it's like a hard practice. Uh, Norway on Thursday. And Elias Pedersen in Sweden taking on France. The future Canuck. There he is, Pedersen with the puck. Nice little pass to Michael Backlund and a goal. We want to see a Pedersen goal. We want to see that coveted wrist shot on the power play. Could you imagine... Besser on one side, Patterson on the other, doing that. And there is the wrist shot. You give him room, he's like Besser. Top corner, 4-0 final, Sweden over France. We have talked about this many times over the years. You've heard me say it a number of times. The Whitecaps need better finish around the opposition net. Creating chances is one thing, and that really is not an easy thing to do in soccer, but you've got to cash in those chances when you create them, obviously. The uh, Caps should have won their game Saturday morning against Minnesota. In the second half, Minnesota's down to 10 men, but it still didn't help. It still didn't end up in a Vancouver goal. Adele, the Venezuelan, drives from distance. It's spilled. Good cut by Blondell, and a great save. 
save. What a stop again as Kendall lost him that close to his first goal of the season. There's no question the Whitecaps deserved better in Minnesota. They outplayed their opposition in every category on the pitch, except for the one stat that matters the most. Minnesota had two chances, and they scored on one of them, despite the fact they were outshot 19-4 by the Caps. Always when we lose, we're going to feel bad and concern I think yes because we want to win however it takes and winning one game losing the other is not a is not a great feeling at all. Left footed ball good looking ball too and there's Kamara again it was a terrific ball one troubling trend cap supporters are starting to see is the lack of finish in the box. Vancouver has now been shut out in three of their last four games. They've scored all of 10 goals in their 10 matches this season while conceding 18. For a team that likes to generate off of set pieces and crosses, it's just not happening enough and moral victories don't count in the standings. We know we we got to score more goals. We need to create uh, and put the ball in the back of the net. It's... Uh, Again, it's, uh, it's not a concern because we know the guys we have are going to score goals and uh, eventually those things are going to turn around. Obviously missed chances. You know, uh, We got into some good areas crossing-wise. When we did execute, we missed the chance. And then when we got into other areas wide, we, uh, we didn't execute. So we have to accept that. That's why we're spending 20 minutes after training today working on exact execution of what we missed. We'll see if practice makes perfect when the Caps host Houston on Friday. Jay Janower, Global Sports. Oh. All right, after a year of bouncing around NFL practice rosters, linebacker Bo Lacombo is coming home to the BC Lions, which is great news for BC. He has CFL speed, very good special teams guy as well. And bonus, he's Canadian. He was with the Lions from 2014 to 2016. Let him pursue the NFL last year. Started with Baltimore, they cut him. Then he signed with the Raiders, they let him go. Then he signed with the 49ers. San Francisco released him last Monday. He will be at Lions training camp in Kamloops which starts on May 20th. There you go. All right. Good to have him back. Coming up on ET Canada, Candace Bergen on why the time is right for a Murphy Brown reboot. Plus a Canadian TV star who's ready to break new ground as a TV superhero. That's coming up at 7 right after the news hour. Back to you, Chris. All right, Sangeeta, thank you. Well, the Royal BC Museum is getting ready to open its newest exhibit later this month, and you could say it's a show a thousand years in the making. Today, one of the star attractions arrived for her close-up. Kylie Stanton reports. Discussing a woman's weight. It's 600 kilograms. Let alone her age is often frowned upon. 3,500 years old? That's my understanding, yes. But in this case, it's being put on display. Well, to have something monumental like this is really a, a thrill for us. Stone bust of Queen Hatshepsut is the star attraction at the Royal BC Museum's upcoming exhibition, Egypt, the Time of the Pharaohs. A rare figure in Egyptian history that was nearly erased after her successor had most of her official portraits destroyed. Removed here, removed here. She's removed here from this purification scene. And so, caring for this one, one of the few remaining depictions has become a task as monumental as the piece itself. The packing has to be bang on. There has to be a, a lot of preparation. The whole process is, you, you have to hold your breath at certain points. 
The bust is just one of 350 artifacts being displayed here, each piece on loan from museums around the globe to give British Columbians a glimpse into the ancient civilization. It's one of those timeless topics that's got incredible fascination for people. It's the richness and the splendor of the civilization, the, the cultural treasures, the objects are incredible. And frankly, we think people will come from all across Canada to see this show. There's still a couple of weeks to go before the doors open and a lot of work left to do. But with Hapshetsit now safely in place, the heavy lifting is over. A little bit of release is there. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria. We... I'm fooled. I thought the pyramids are way bigger. Much that thing bigger. only looks like it's this big. <laughs> we should clarify, thanks to Squire's joke, that wasn't the actual pyramid. Yeah. They didn't bring that That one. was the architectural model they used <laughs> before they actually <laughs> built it. Yeah. yeah, thanks for that. Okay, uh, Shania Twain voice. Let's go over that five-day again. Good concert <laughs> Lost last my night. voice from singing so much <laughs> yesterday. Uh, but we've got a beautiful day set up for us along the coast for tomorrow. Plenty of sunshine. In fact, the whole province will be basking in sun Wednesday. We all see the showers. We see the showers. Rain on Thanks Wednesday. All right, thanks, Kasia. Thank you for watching. Have a great night, everyone.